Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to Q Commentator. My name's Nick Heath and thank you very much for joining me and joining me on this little journey through the art of commentary. Uh, I've been a broadcaster and commentator for about the last 10 years. Uh, The previous 10 years I was uh, mainly employed as a bad actor. Um, I was playing such roles as pub and club DJ, uh, promotions and flyering guy in Waterloo Station, and uh, three years in the role of office manager at my friend's estate agent. Um, I I did try and do broadcast journalism straight from school, but I had far too much fun in my levels and didn't get the grades. So I I decided to slip through the back door as twa uh, uh, in my late 20s, and I've had a fantastic 10 years of commentating on the men's and women's games at the highest level in rugby um, and a couple of other sports on the side as well. I've had the chance to go to a couple of Lions tours, Rugby World Cups and that sort of thing as well. So it's been a passion of mine that I'm delighted to be able to work in. But as a bit of a commentary geek, I've also always loved just the voices that go along with those those big sporting moments that we remember, the the moments and expressions that are synonymous with the rich sporting tapestry that, that makes up our lives for, for all of you that are into sport as well, which is, I assume, why you'll be tuning into this podcast anyway. Um, I'm delighted to say that the first guest that we have is, frankly, broadcasting royalty. Uh, Barry Davis left the army having gained some experience with Forces Radio. And then, well, the good fortune of the 1966 Football World Cup being on home soil in the UK is largely to blame or uh, is a great reason to celebrate how Barry's career started. Um, Through football, tennis, the boat race, uh, Barry retired at the age of 80 last year, having done his last Wimbledon commentary. Um, And in the next 45, 50 minutes or so, we will discuss how Barry found his voice. Um, We'll also discuss discuss about knowing when to shut up, uh, which is very important for all of us to remember, I think, Uh, being unkind to Germans and his thoughts on the modern co-commentator, which I think are quite interesting to hear, given how those styles have very much changed over the last few years. Um, So it's Q Commentator. Thanks very much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. And uh, it's Barry Davis. And I began by asking him, why commentating appealed so much? I think the answer to that is actually quite simple because that is what was on offer. Uh, 
I had uh, done some work when I was in the army, uh, which led on to uh, doing some work for BBC Sports Report. Uh, but the 66 World Cup uh, came just at the right time. Uh, well, not so much the, the fact that the Cup came, but, but that it was in England. Yeah. Because um, had it been abroad you probably wouldn't have been talking to me now, um, almost certainly, because the opportunity which came would not have been there. Did, did it take you a while to find your voice? Did you, I mean, you, you speak with a voice that seems absolutely synonymous with the broadcast voice. I know when I started, I, you know, with respect to you, was, was sort of by osmosis taking voices from, from you, from Brian Moore on ITV, and, and there seems to be the sort of slightly back-of-the-throat sort of sound. And I sort of wondered whether that was, was, was something that it took you a while to find, whether that was always how you sounded in your youth. Tell me about uh, whether that was an issue for you. Uh, I think it was an issue because I was, I was uh, a tenor, uh, and a, a tenor who gets excited uh, can sometimes go off the scale. Mm. Uh, and I suspect when I started, well, I know because I've listened to some of the stuff, um, but not too often uh, because I would love to do various things again, uh, lines that subsequently people uh, came to remember from the early days of commentary. Um, so the voice did develop, but I think it was only possibly age that developed it. Uh, I was advised by by Sam Leach when I joined uh, the BBC. He was then then uh, head of sport. Um, that I should listen to and do everything that David Coleman did, hmm. um, and his was a, a very strong strong voice. Yeah, uh, there's a danger of mimicry there, isn't there as well? Uh, absolutely. Um, uh, my response to this piece of advice was I would listen to David and several other people who were around at the time because this is this is now uh, um, post the World Cup mm. and commentary had had broadened. Yeah, I mean when I first started, if you if you couldn't actually find a radio station uh, to work for that was known to everybody, i.e. B- some BBC regions and things. Yeah, I mean there was nothing like what there is now yeah um so your second best bet was probably hospital radio um well i mean i started with british forces broadcasting which which was how how that went but um yes i i actually said i'll listen to him and then and everybody else but i want to fail as if i'm going to fail as barry davis and not as uh, somebody who sounded a bit like david coleman and were you were you operating on the coles lip mics all the time. Yeah, oh, very much Because so. I often think that, that the reason you get a certain sound from commentators is often because although those things, although those devices are meant to sort of stop all the plosives coming through too much, yeah. actually it also means that you, you can sit off them a little bit vocally sometimes. The voice can sort of sit back a little bit further because you don't want to be too much on, on the front of your teeth. And so a lot of commentators, it, it's that sort of Steve Coogan does it with Alan Partridge, you know. Well, I'm the sports commentator and the voice is right at the back of the yeah. throat. And, yes. and actually whether the part of that is because of the apparatus that we use. Yes, I don't know. I, I think that uh, I'm just going back to David for a moment. He he, uh, he stayed with using a, a lip mic way after they they were sort of being eased out. Mm. Um, and when I took over his role of doing the Olympic opening ceremonies, I, I was um, 
amazed that he had still used the lip mic. Uh, I mean, I wanted some notes around, and I, I, I found on a, on a trip to uh, New Zealand, working for Television New Zealand prior to the World Cup of 1982, which their team qualified for. Yeah. Um, and they took a lot of video of me working and so on and so forth. Um, because I'd come from, from the gods, the yeah, BBC. They, they were excited to have um, Barry Davis on yeah. there. So uh, I, I realised how much I used my, my hands anyway when I was when I was talking. Yeah, okay. Uh, and at Wimbledon, I always worked with a... I don't know why they called it a head and breast set, but they do call it a head and breast set. Right. Uh, it's got nothing to do with the breast as far as I can see, except that the, you know, it just pokes in front of your mouth or at least yeah. the side of your mouth to some degree. Yeah. Um, but for football, quite a long, a long time, uh, we were on lip microphones. Yeah. And would you warm up the voice ahead of doing a commentary? Mm, not not excessively, no. No. Uh, I mean, there, there were there were always a, a few rehearsals of things. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I was not the world's greatest. Uh, rehearser, is that the right word? <laughs> Warmer up. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the red light had to come on for me. Yeah. Um, and quite often if I if I rehearsed a line a bit too much, other than in my head, which I did quite a lot, mm. um, it was not, not a good idea. Well, I was going to come on to that, which, which I will in a minute. I mean, mm. did you therefore have any moments where, you know, your voice let you down or perhaps there were moments when, because I think, I think maybe in the BBC documentary you sort of talked about a bit of a squeak on the voice on a couple of things, and, and I think we all have them. You can have moments that are, yes. that are full of great passion, but you know technically that you listen to it and go, I could have done that better. Yes, I mean, there, there certainly were with, with the famous uh, Leeds offside but not given uh, goal against West Bromwich Albion. Um, I, I mean, when I listen to that back now, I would love to do that piece of commentary again. And, and, <laughs> it's and funny, of course, isn't it? I mean, much was made in, in, in the documentary about the Francis Lee. Uh, goal for for Derby County against Manchester City, returning to his old club. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, on that occasion, the voice just went. I mean, I joked afterwards. I had the operation fairly soon after. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was all over. Um, but people partly remember that mm. f- f- for that. Yeah. Um, but it annoyed me at the time. Yeah, I've had one uh, or two. I was happy with, with what I said, but I wasn't happy. With how I said it, and as I said to Sue Barker in the in the in the, in, in the biog, um, you know, it just proves that all the commentator has to do is to say the same thing twice, and then again the same thing twice. So I mean, it was just a, a, two sentences repeated. Yeah, indeed. And uh, and what about the prep then when you're going into these games? I mean, obviously prepping for a tennis match, you've got two athletes to worry about. Mm. A football match, you've got potentially 22 and, and the replacement, the substitutes to worry about. So how much sort of prep would you do ahead of these things and how critical is it? Well, it's, it's obviously critical. And I used to do a lot of preparation. And in, in, in the early days, I did too much. Right. Because I had good lines that I wanted to get in and I knew I was edited. Um, and at some time I was sort of searching to get a line in which actually interrupted the flow of commentary and I, I, I came to appreciate that. When you say edited, uh, would that do you mean for things like match of the day and that sort yes, of thing? Yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean the the, the very best editors, if you, if you made a, a general comment 
uh, that, 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 that I thought was a significant line. They could move that line. That was <laughs> yeah. all right. Yeah. Um, but there was a danger uh, that just after a goal, if you could find time to put that line in and it still made sense, yeah. you had a better chance of getting it in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Did you ever do highlights commentary? Where you already had the footage, so therefore you knew you could you could craft the lines into the edit that had already been created. Uh, I've had to do no, that. No, I've never times. had to do that. Yeah, that's interesting because yeah. you can hear. You know, there's there's commentators I've worked with in rugby who you can hear that they've managed they've they've been staffed onto the commentary highlights that were already edited. Yeah. And there's this, it's the most perfect three and a half minutes of commentary. Yeah. Because they've got all the lines and all the right stats in all the right places, and you're thinking, yeah. how th- this guy's incredible. Before you then think, well, hold on a minute, nobody yes. nobody can be that good. No, uh, well, I, I mean, I uh, I had the test of commentating on the hundred meters that I couldn't see any pictures. Yeah, that's that sounded um, incredible. Uh, and that you know it was <laughs> that was quite quite a test. But the the key to it was that the producer, I called John Shrewsbury, uh, insisted that it would be done straight away. Yeah. So you've got to do it now. Because he knew that if I stopped to think about it, yeah. Um, so it was almost sort of trying to f- flash the thing back through my through my mind again. You, yeah, you're just going would, on instinct then, aren't you, really? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then doing the slow motion of, of something that I hadn't seen. Yeah. <laughs> quite, 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 quite amusing looking back on it. Yeah, I bet. I, I, I thought that piece had got lost. It, it just turned up somewhere. And, oh, wow. Uh, and so they decided to use it. And yeah, yeah. Well, it, it scanned perfectly. And, yeah. and also so much of it is about that cadence. It's about the intensity, you know, get, getting, hitting the right notes at the right moment. Yeah. And, and going back to sort of, you know, having those, those lines. And, and people say, do you write down, you know, as a commentator, do you write down certain lines? And it might be that, you, you know, certainly for me, I might write down half a stat or a thing. But it, it may be that a particular player who, I don't know, let's say it's England-France and, and mm. an English player has a French mother that, that you know if he scores a goal, you need to come out with a line that summarises, you know, how things might be back at home that night or between sure. his parents. So you might not script the line entirely, but you know that if a certain thing happens, you've got a certain line that you've got to get into a scenario. Uh, and you hope you remember it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I could think of many occasions. Um, I mean, I used to think it was absolutely vital that you, the commentator name the goal scorer before the ball actually crossed the line. Uh, I came to think that that actually wasn't the case, particularly if you're saying Jones, 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 yeah. which, which is what uh, has happened quite, quite often over yeah. the years. Um, so I didn't write down lines at all. I had, I had a few stats down, mm-hmm. um, and I, I've always viewed that side of commentary as being... Uh, looking at a program that you have at, at a match when you're watching it away from the microphone, uh, you only look at the program when the match is not keeping your attention. Mm. I, I was uh, had a lot of stuff that probably never made the reel, but I moved from wanting to get a lot of things in uh, to think upon it uh, quite differently. Mm. And when you talk about usage of voice... Um, I owe quite a lot to a chap called Jeff Goddard, who was the producer of a, a series called Maestro, which ran in the early in the early eighties, uh, and in which uh, I took over the 
that from from Frank Keating. Uh, he that he used to write the script and do the uh, do the interview, but they had an actor to read the script. Um, I wanted to do all three, okay. um, and uh, and Jeff was perfectly happy about that. But as a result, he was very harsh on things like cadence, emphasis, etc., etc. Okay. Uh, and he would make me do uh, a six-word sentence six times wow, okay. and then six more times yeah. if he didn't think the balance was quite right. Yeah. Uh, I, he had a, a, a musical ear. He was one of the people who did the early elimination of young musician of the year wow, okay. uh, uh, contestants. Would you say uh, you have a musical ear at all? Uh, yes, I, I'm more inclined to, 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 to classical music, uh, I, I, to some extent. I mean, I used to sing in a choir once <laughs> at school. But at um, least, but I mean, so, at least if, I think for most people, or, or my definition of a musical ear, is having more of an in-tune understanding as to, as to what your voice is capable of, hearing other things and being able to be not necessarily critical, but being able to, to appreciate the various nuances of a vocal performance. And, and, yes. I, and I think... I think as a commentator, you have to be so aware of the notes you're hitting that I, I wonder if you can do it without a musical ear. Uh, that's, a, that's a very interesting point. I, I, I know that I, I always had my voice against the crowd. I, I had it uh, wound up quite high in my cans mm. uh, and, and would go to some lengths to get that balance right with yeah. the, with the it was uh, something Miles Harrison producer. told me for my yeah. first ever game or, yeah. or when I spoke to him a while ago he said make sure the crowd is as loud as you can have it in your cans because yeah. it will it will take you there yes and I mean there is a bit of a contest going on between you and the camera at the most exciting points mm. and I, I mean I, I came off the register for Dennis Bergkamp again scoring for Holland against Argentina um, I mean, one, one of the one of the amusing things about the uh, about the documentary, uh, which is not in any way a criticism of the of the work that was done and by quite a few people, but particularly by the producer Tom Butt, uh, is that ha- having the sort of observations made that I was somewhat laid back in com- in comparison with John Motson. Indeed, he made that point. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, the replays of, of great goals and things tended to be just as excitable as, as anybody else. Yeah, I would what, say so. But what was not necessarily there, other than the Maradona goal, uh, the second one, um, the, the, some of the lines that came afterwards were not in the reel, because mm. if they'd included those as well, <laughs> it would have made it... <laughs> yeah, It would have told a slightly different long. story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because you might have the lines that you prepare for certain sort of smaller incidents or whatever. When it comes to the big moments, you've got, you know, certainly in something like tennis, you've got a potentially a match point which signals you to be on standby that you might be about to, to have to hit the big moment when yes. it's a win, it's a game set match. Yeah. And then you've got to make sure, I mean, it's related to the whole thing of, well, on the highlights, I've got to get a certain thing in a certain way. But there's a pressure then that comes with knowing that this is the big moment. And were you always relaxed? Did it did it sort of take you years to be comfortable in yourself to to know? Well, it's about to be game set match to to Pete Sampras or whoever, and, yeah. and I've got to summarise the scoreline, the performance, and get out for my co-com to then get his summary in before before we wrap it up. Yes, uh, sometimes I, I'm not sure that's entirely true at, 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 at Wimbledon because it, it, 
I mean, things can be tightened up if needs be for highlights. Yeah. Um, and there are times, and in particular in football, there are times when it's actually better not to say anything. Yeah. Take one example, the, the Koreans beating Italy uh, in the 2002 World Cup, um, football obviously, um, and when the penalty decision uh, was penalty competition decision <laughs> was reached. Yeah, I didn't say anything over the last one because I mean there were just shots of these everybody in red yeah. jumping up and down, yeah. uh, and noise was was huge. Uh, and later on that evening, the the, the uh, head of uh, of of the uh, Korean side of, of the World Cup said to me that you know he was really happy with that. Uh, he said, you, you didn't speak for about 45 seconds, maybe even a minute. <laughs> yeah. To which I replied, yes, I'm the world's greatest commentator when I keep my mouth shut. <laughs> but but they... I mean, I, I, I do think it's important. I mean, it's very interesting. Um, uh, a friend of my wife's has been here. They've just gone off to lunch. And, and she said, are you doing lunch on your own? So I said, no, no, actually, I'm going to... Chap's coming around to talk to me about commentary. And she immediately said... Oh, tell him less is more. <laughs> yeah. um, and of course, that's, that's been very much my, my, my principle. Yeah, yeah. And, is... and I think beyond my first few years, I mm. then have immediately started to learn that letting the pictures breathe and also not speaking unless you've got something to add to what the viewer can already see is a key lesson. But I think, you know, I think people, as they start, and I certainly did, you've got plenty to say. I'm the commentator. It's my yeah. voice along with the pictures. Yeah. I've got to keep yeah. going. I've got to keep saying. And actually sitting back and letting it happen at times is, is absolutely right, isn't it? Uh, yes, and, I, and I, I've um, gone on record in several places of, of saying that I think that one of the things that, that's produced uh, the greater amount of talking is the fact that uh, there's very little difference now between sound radio and television. Hmm. Um, and that's because the, the, the experts, Tuesday night, working for radio, Wednesday night working for television. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the tendency. There's also been, a, a, it seems to me, the thought that when something happens, you say very quickly and then the expert comes in. I mean, Gary Neville comes in immediately. Andy Gray used to come in immediately. Yeah. Um, I sense I, frustration in your voice about this. I'm not sure you like it. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. Uh, I mean, in, in, in terms of... I, I'm, this was always quite difficult because I was rather different on, on, in, on this line than, than John Martin, um, who, I'm on record as saying, tended to end the sentence with a variation of the word Trevor uh, for, <laughs> yeah. for Trevor Brooking. Yeah. Um, and therefore, by indication, I uh, invited him to come in and say something. Yeah. Um, and I, I could be accused of holding on to the microphone, as it were, because, I mean, when I started, there was only one microphone, and it was passed between the Oh, really? Um, yes. So, I mean, to get it off David Coleman was quite quite difficult, so people yeah. tell me what I was seeing for myself. Uh, but there is, there is a balance, because the, the, the play-by-play commentators mm -hmm. they call them in the states yeah uh, he has to be there for the fan uh, can to some extent be there for the expert as well mm. has to sort of set his tone as he feels it um but when the, an incident happens he knows what he's seen of it and what he hasn't seen of it yeah 
therefore, the first replay, he knows what to look for. And that, by taking that first replay, gives the expert an extra chance of saying something you know, a little different. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe he's already got that point, but, but I think it helps. But it, it doesn't happen very often these days. No, it doesn't tend to. I, I had a moment where I wish I could have wrestled one microphone away because I was on uh, commentary in Rugby World Cup 2015 on mm. South Africa, Japan in Brighton. Mm. And I called in on the radio, called in the try that won the game for Japan against all the odds, biggest upset in world mm. rugby. And as I called the try, my co-com just squealed all over it and started sort of saying what had happened. It's like, hold on a minute, I haven't rounded this moment off yet to bring you in. And I listen back to it now and I still have mates. And I go, who is that guy with you? I'm like, honestly, don't talk to me about it. So no. that was possibly one of the biggest moments I had and it screamed all over by my co-com. Yeah. Not that I'm still bitter, obviously. <laughs> um, Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, I mean, it does, you know, when I, when I go back to, to, to the Maradona goal, uh, the, the two comments that I made after that, or indeed um, um, uh, Gaza at Wembley for Spurs against Arsenal, uh, I was allowed to do that no nobody tried to interrupt in a, mm. in a live game yeah um there's still in a live game there's still plenty of time i know i mean the americans are they get criticized for talking too much mm. but on points that really matter you know their ice hockey commentators the, the best of them will simply say so and so scored yeah and then say nothing mm. Uh, and, and they cut around the crowd, the guy who made the mistake, the netminder who should have caught the puck, etc., etc., etc. And, and then, then they come in. But, of course, they control when the match restarts, and we haven't got that, that, that ability in, yeah. our, in our sport. Yeah. I, I um, noticed listening to, to, you know, certainly bits, part of, bits of that documentary and, and other things I've heard from mm. you over the years, it seems that particularly in football, when, when goals are being scored, it was important to you, it, it sounded like to say, 
you know, so-and-so, so-and-so into the box, it's a goal, or he scored. And I wondered whether it was a sort of journalistic importance of yours to make sure that, because because nowadays you get a lot of people, you know, you, you have the, the the famed Aguero, and you've, you've, got, you've got all these, these other commentators nowadays who I don't think necessarily have told the viewer or the listener it is a goal because they're either just calling the player's name several times. And I just yeah. wonder whether it was important to you to, to always make sure that, that you mentioned that was a goal or, or he scored before you said anything else. You know, I don't think I know the answer to that. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Um, I mean, you said, I, I you mean, know, sometimes, Jones... sometimes people have come up to me and said, oh, you weren't very excited about that goal, were you? I said, but there wasn't anything to be excited about. <laughs> um, my style, for good or ill, was... I said what I felt. I mean, this has become a bit of a cliche of mine. And, and I hope that my foot was sufficiently far removed from my mouth. <laughs> um, and sometimes, you know, regretted it. Certainly, we say to, uh, to myself, if you can't think of what to say, don't say anything. Mm. Um, and that's why I'm so critical of my, uh, my commentary on the first of the Maradona goals in, in 1986, because I didn't see... The, the hand of the god or the finger of the devil, as I subsequently called it. Mm. Um, and because I didn't know what had happened, I should have left it until it became clear what had happened. We, we, it was a fair delay for decent replays. They they cut replays in in from London that, that, that they were advising me, they're going up now, Shorten, etc. But, uh, you know, I... I suggested it might be offside, which was a ludicrous observation because it was a, it was a clearance by an England player that actually set up the opportunity. It came off the side of his boot, so in the, in the law as it stood then, it would have been played on, um, and it was you know such a stupid thing to do. Keep your trap shut if you don't know. Yeah. An, in, an interesting, you know, do you find many people who understand, given the, the reputation, the fantastic reputation that you've earned for yourself and, you know, recently retiring, do people understand that there are, there are still these moments, these, these particular commentaries where, where you're still beating yourself up? It's like, come on, Barry, it's, it's, it's a long time ago. Look at all the great stuff you've gone. Yeah, but, but this still yeah. rankles. <laughs> yes, do people pe- get that? Yeah, pe- people have, have, yeah, have said that. Um, I mean, you always hope that you find the right words, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. You probably do. Have, well, depends on a good day and a bad day. I mean, picking yes, picking up picking up. Obviously, I, I I'm not going to to go into depth on on mm. you know a lot of your famous commentaries, mm. but but obviously there's the one from GB Hockey in '88. Yeah. Um, the where were the Germans and frankly, who cares? It's a fantastic line. Is, is that I almost wonder whether whether there's any reflection on it as to whether it almost comes across a bit unkind, maybe. To the Germans, yeah. Does. I've I've spoken to a few German Have players, so, uh, <laughs> and indeed, when when I subsequently uh, uh, was the commentator on Euro '96, you know, back to football, yeah. Uh, I mean, some of the papers came out the day before saying, "Well, when they knew I was going to be the commentator, basically saying, well, the Germans won't get a word in sideways," um, <laughs> which is, of course it was a bit tongue in cheek but even so yeah uh, yes i mean it, it it was and when i've been asked to sort of give um chat-ins on 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 what i feel about commentary uh like now uh it always comes back to to haunt me that when i say that we come to the question of bias yeah okay. uh, and you could 
argue that was one of the most biased <laughs> observations. But I mean, the position was. I, I know that the sequence in 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 my, in my mind was having looked at it and wondered, you know, what on earth the Germans were doing because uh, the Great Britain team went through the like a knife through butter stone, yeah. from from the halfway line onwards. Yeah, uh, and so, so I put forward that thought. Where were the Germans? And then I realised, yeah, it's that's another the third goal. goal. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, yeah, who cares? Yeah, Great Britain's going to win. So, uh, and that's why it was I your subconscious so voice then, almost that came through in commentary, and perhaps you know. Yeah, well, I mean, it's. It, I had no idea it was going to make quite the impression that it did make. I mean, they stuck it on a record, and yeah. and um, <laughs> and uh, frequently at hockey dues that I still get. Invited to with with that team, and there's a what's it forty thirty years. So there's a do on the first of October that uh, the players are uh, gathering together, and I, I I've been invited to go along there. How lovely! And I, I, I know they will want me to, of course. to, to say that. <laughs> you better be rehearsing. Make sure you can do it just as, just as well as you did the first time. Um, I mean, I've always you know. Very much the the voice that I've always enjoyed from you has been uh, has been during things like tennis commentary, mm. because it I don't know anyone that you know D- Dan Maskell to a degree, but who could off the back of a twenty four shot rally finish it with oh, yes. <laughs> and there are moments when I used to watch that growing up, and I just think that's that's it. that is all that's needed because everybody in this room is agog at the fact mm. that the final shot was the final shot that that you know these two athletes are slugging it out yeah. and. And that very much is the less is more. And at times that you're effectively making a noise or a brief, you know, a, yeah. a, a brief word of, of awe yeah. that is sharing with the audience that from your privileged position in the commentary box, you're equally as, as blown away by what's happened. And, and it, it seems that that sort of empathy with the viewer is something that I think you've always been good at. Well, that's very kind of you to say so. I mean, that, that is my sort of natu- natural feel. Um, I mean, Dan had a reputation for saying, oh, I say, yeah. uh, which uh, I confess I've said from time to time. In the early days, I became quite conscious I was possibly saying it too much when, when he was no longer around. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's a reaction. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's, it's a reaction born of, what the hell can I add to that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm beginning to wonder whether this all yeah. of your best lines have been your subconscious going through, almost thinking in your head, oh, I've got nothing to add. Yeah, yeah. It came out, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, you said, Where were the Germans in your head? You thought, Who cares? You said, Frankly, who cares? Yes, we're, we're gonna get we're gonna discover the whole the whole career has been your subconscious. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anyone that you wanted to emulate as you were commentating? Were there other people, your peers or others, and you thought that I've noticed he's doing that? I, I need to do a bit more of that, that kind of stuff. I mean, obviously, you started at a time where there there weren't a huge number of people no. out there in the industry no. to look up to. But but perhaps as you went through the seventies, eighties, nineties, you know, into the two thousands, and the were there yes, people. I mean, that... stars have changed quite a lot over the years. I mean, mm. I, when 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 I joined the BBC, it was Kenneth Watson Home as the main football commentator, and and David Combe was the main commentator across the board. I, I mean, I, 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 I listened to them, and um, as I said to you a few moments ago, I, I, I mean, I, I, it's the advice I would give to any would-be commentator. Listen to everybody, but do it your way. Mm. Uh, you might find doing it your way doesn't quite work sometimes, mm. but you know, provided you don't get the sack for doing something that's uh, uh, 
which you shouldn't have done, uh, then okay, you, you've learned the lesson. Yeah. Um, yeah, I spent the first, as I said, first three or four years of my commentary line, and, and I was I was a sort of COD commentator, doing it in that very commentary voice, and yeah. it took me a while to sort of bring the voice out to the front and actually start to own it as me and start to actually, yeah. you know, it be my voice rather than than this sort of cod voice that I'd been I'd been doing you know for for impersonations or whatever for years and I, I was almost yeah. struggling to find the real version yeah. um, I, you know I, one man's commentary is another man's irritation yeah okay that's an uh, interesting uh, yeah. outlook uh, and, and uh, you know there were, obviously there were people who liked uh, John Watson better than they liked me and, and one or two the other way around um, but, but that's something you have to accept Hmm. Um, and commentary has changed as games have got quicker, athletes have got bigger, mm-hmm. stronger. Life generally has got quicker. People people talk far more quickly than I do. Hmm. Uh, and when I came back after ten years to do the, the game at Crystal Palace for the fiftieth anniversary of uh, match of the day, uh, I mean I was well aware of that of that different speed. Really. Um, Speed of the I mean, game I, itself. Speed of the game. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Still managed to spot a goal from quite early on. <laughs> you win some and you lose some. I was going to say, but it was a good, it was a good day not, just to do one and get it right. I've not lost it. Yeah, yeah. Go in with a hundred percent record. That's right. Up, up keep it. I, I, I will come on actually. Just yeah. just when we round off in, in a little while, just to ask you actually about the sort of the mm. the commentary landscape. Yeah. Um, who do you rate out there now? Do you listen to other commentators? Who do you think's uh, doing a decent job? I think there are quite a lot of commentators. Uh, I sit on the fence a bit because I, I talk to quite a few of them from time to time. Uh, and when people ask an opinion, hmm. when they ask for an opinion or whatever, um, I've given it to them. But I, I, I've never wanted to pick out a particular commentator because that, almost by implication you're putting that person above other people. Yeah, fair I mean, enough. I, I think... Certainly, the BBC still have a, a very interesting choice of, of different uh, different commentators. Um, Do you think you think the BBC voice still stands separate from from most of the rest? I was, li- sure. I was, li- I was listening. Not to Not sure. I, 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 I don't I don't listen to as much as I or watch as much as I as I used to. I mean, I, I like John Murray on 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 on, on radio because yeah. he has he has a different style. Yeah. At one stage, I thought he was going to. To come to television and offer that different style, mm. how successful that would have been, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know because I mean there are m- my natural successor, if 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 I'm entitled to say that I have one, uh, was John Champion, mm. um, who, who you know has gone in 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 different directions because of different people's opinions. Yeah, um, and you know you have to accept that there's. An editor or senior, uh, whatever, yeah. <laughs> uh, who says no? Well, I, I, I don't like him. Yeah, um, and, and actually, on that point, you know, as a commentator these days, as a freelancer, the likes of, uh, of mm. I am, you know, it'd be lovely to be with the BBC for for fifty years, or, or to be yeah. with any broadcaster. Now we know that that the rights change so often that it could be that you're you're this month's flavour of the month with with a Sky or a BT or, or mm. a BBC or what have you, and or an Amazon or Facebook these days, yeah. Yeah. and they're on a, and you're on a three four month deal as their lead guy, but oh, sorry, three or four year deal, yeah. but then the rights change hands in in, in four yeah. years, and all of a sudden, you know, you're at the back of the queue looking for 
work with someone else yes. and and you end up having to be best mates with the producers and and the people that are making the decisions and and almost always as i as i tend to find there's no feedback as a commentator really in the industry if someone says oh we've got a game next week are you free for that one as well that's as much validation as you get to the fact that you must have done a decent enough job yes to- and i think that's been true for a long time Has i mean it? i accept that there are many more commentators around because there are many more greater requirement for commentators at, at, at various levels mm. um when when i declined to stay with the BBC in 2004 or to stay with Match of the Day. Mm. Um, I, I then, since 2004, have been uh, uh, freelance with quite a lot from the BBC and some of which I knew I was getting, others came later. Um, but I was actually asked if I, if, if I would sort of have a, um, a few meetings with commentators to mm. discuss... Um, and I, I declined. I said I would love to do it, but I feel that I would be giving them advice which would be uh, contrary to how things are going now, and therefore mm. I wouldn't be helping them one little bit. In fact, I'd probably be uh, shortening their careers. Yeah, I mean, um, if, you, if you were starting out in the sort of landscape that there is now, would you have the appetite and energy for it, do you think? Well, let's put it this way. When I, when I was first offered what was... Uh, going to become a regular job which was after the World Cup of 66 when an opportunity came at ABC television Uh, I was offered a six week contract and I signed that and accepted and put in my resignation with the Times on the same day Right. so I was taking a chance from that moment onwards Mm. Um, and I have accepted that 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 opportunities come and go but I equally I, I know that that's changed a lot now mm. but I could only ever d- do it in 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 the in the way that I did it and, yeah and you know could could have been out of a job and um quite early I, yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah I don't know well uh, it sounds like it sounds like that you know someone willing to take those risks but backing yourself to take them, then perhaps you know you, you you would survive in the modern marketplace. Certainly, your talent would out anyway. But but yeah, it, it seems well. It would. Need. I would. I would need to be given the opportunity. Yeah. Uh, I mean, produ- producers change, stars change, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Hmm. Um, I don't know how much the commentators of of today feel that they have to do that particular way uh, in in order to satisfy the people they're working for. Mm. Um, and you get a lot of you, know, you get a lot of outlook now on we've got a certain number of voices of this type. Um, we need more regional voices, or we need you know d- yes, different yes, sounding things. And yes. there's, there's more and there, consideration now. There was a now. time when when the BBC were accused of having too too many commentators who you couldn't just uh, distinguish one from, from from the other. Yeah, which I think was a bit of an exaggeration, but, but there were some similarities. Now, now yeah. that I think they've they've gone their own way to a degree yeah you said going your own way and doing your own thing would be a piece of advice you'd give to a modern commentator anybody trying to get into into it any other nuggets that uh, that you've learned over the years that you think are worth passing on the basic things are still the same you have to do your your preparation mm-hmm. uh, and you have to be aware of the balance of yourself and who you're working with and so on and so forth S- some uh some uh, experts are easier to work with than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm 
very conscious of I think there's too much conversation in commentary now, mm -hmm. uh, but that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, um, I tend to share that view, actually. That's one of the reasons why, uh, well, it's the main reason why I, I, I left doing Match of the Day, because I, I felt I wasn't going to be given the opportunity uh, that, that, that I wanted to suggest that my style was, was, was mm. what people wanted. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I've done games where you do suddenly find yourself having a chat about the the sport as a whole and, and what's going on in it yeah. while there's a game going on in front of you. Yes. And actually, I've listened back to that and thought, do you know what? Although the game you're watching might not be the most exciting, it's not time to turn this into a magazine show. And there yeah. are still enough things yeah. going on on the field that are worthy of you talking about rather than breaking off to discuss the politics of this or that. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 there is... Definitely, that has to be considered. Uh, I, you have to realise that you're talking to the person sitting in the armchair of, or whatever hmm. position they happen to be in at the pub uh, uh, listening, um, and that if you if you have a disagreement with the, with the person you're working with, I, I think that can be no bad thing, provided you don't become two dogs with a bone <laughs> yeah. uh, fighting over a bone. But you can have a different view. Um, and it worries me sometimes when I feel that the commentator's not been given a chance to have his view. Um, yeah, do you th do you think yeah. a lead commentator, a play-by-play, -play, is allowed an opinion, or is it uh, is it just to call the action? I think he's uh, no. I, I well, uh, it's your personal view. Yeah, my personal view is that that he's allowed an opinion. Hmm. I wouldn't have carried on doing it if I if I wasn't allowed an opinion. Um, and I'd like to think that, that that most would 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 go along with that. But if you're going to push your opinions down people's throats for 90 minutes, that's a very different thing. But mm. in, a, in a given situation, I, th I think there are times when the commentator should should commit himself um, and hope he's right. Uh, you know, winning winning boat races, Oxford did win, could have been wrong. One stroke later and it would have been Cambridge in 2003. <laughs> uh, but I felt there was a requirement then not, it wasn't. Well, it was to give an opinion because it was who the heck won this race. Yeah. So I suppose it could be described as an opinion. <laughs> yeah, but but I, I, I think commentators um, sh should be accepted as, as, as knowledgeable on the, on the thing that they're doing um, and with more experience probably than the footballer who's just joined uh, the team that season having retired before. It's a different job. Yeah, uh, and and that is over the years what what uh, television in particular has been guilty of, is assuming that you win a gold medal on Saturday and on Monday you're in the commentary box. Yeah, um, as you learned your first career with a lot of good coaching and so on and so forth, why shouldn't you think that you need to mm. be coached for the second career? Mm. Uh, and I used to find working with people, a lot of people, we did have conversations like this off. Off the record yeah. to give a few few views and to assist. Yeah, yeah. It, there certainly is a bit of that, and and you have some that turn up and bring their homework with them, and you know that they they understand it's a job to prepare for. And you have others that yes. walk off the pitch almost with boots in hand and think they can pick up the microphone. Yes. And surprise, surprise, they end up with very little of interest to ask. Yeah. And uh, uh, I, there are there are some like that. I hope they wouldn't survive too long yeah. Uh, yeah, well, yeah but i mean there's also another thing that that uh, has tended to be lost over the years is that i mean we used to have a lot of information about pronunciation of foreign names mm. 
and, and now most of those names are anglicised. It seems to me. Yeah, there is a there is a fair bit of that. Mm. I, I think because it's got to be one of the first jobs as a commentator is to get the ID right of the player involved. Yes. But if you're going to be doing that, then you've got to have his name correct or her name correct. Yes, I mean, I I, I think if he's going to score the greatest goal of his life, uh, and, and you call him a different name, yeah. or what sounds a different name, yeah. <laughs> I don't think whether he would be capable of suing you, but uh, maybe. Wouldn't be too happy. No. Well, Barry, we'll, um, we've just got a couple of minutes mm. left. Um, Miles Harrison, the uh, the rugby commentator on Sky, who uh, used to do football as well, he mm. once told me that he can be guilty of commentating on almost anything in his life at any one minute. Um, he did say, according to his wife, which he tempered, uh, as he said, um, have school sports days or family games of Monopoly in the Davis household been, been accompanied by, by Barry's dulcet tones? Uh, yes, if I'm <laughs> truthful. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, yeah. That's what I wanted yeah. to hear. Uh, uh, yes, yes. Well, I, but sometimes I have competition these days. I mean, both both my children are involved in sport of one sort or another, and, mm. and they have quite good opinions. My, my wife is not one to be left out. So uh, <laughs> she's saying less is more, yeah. as we know. Yeah. As we know. <laughs> um, we touched on it a little bit earlier. You're a man that's seen a lot of the sporting landscape as a commentator for over 50 years. Do you do you think that the coverage now is better on all fronts, or do you think that things have moved so fast that some of the the more I don't know intimate elements of the art of of, of sports reporting, coverage, commentary have been lost in in the race to to sort of make sure that everything's being covered all of the time? Oh, crikey, what a question! <laughs> Uh, I mean, from the point of view of pictures, uh, I mean, you're uh, referred to somebody sitting in an armchair. I mean, you're you're actually sitting in an armchair, standing up, lying down, uh, for all the different angles. Of, mm. That's what I'm suggesting that yeah, you, yeah. you get now. Mm. Uh, you're, you're never in the same seat. You're moved around the ground. Yeah. Um, I think it's possible that... Uh, it is a. I mean, television is about picture, so that is the first requirement. Mm. Um, and I don't think commentary should compete against those pictures. To, to add to the pictures because you're getting so many angles is, is is quite difficult. To say something that is not obvious uh, to the viewer, and it's, it's possible that that's become more difficult than it than it was. Mm. I mean, certainly the days of working with four cameras and so on and so forth. But in those in the early days, producers talked more to the commentator. Um, yeah. I find now that producers don't talk as much to the commentator. I mm. mean, I, in, in, in my day... I, I, How does that affect uh, it, do you think? Well, I, I, I like to feel that we're all part of a team. Yeah. Uh, and and if if I wasn't sure who who made the pass that actually proved to be crucial, and I would sort of press the lazy button and said, "Who the hell was it that played?" The... Yeah. And if if the you know the, one of the low cameramen came up with a with a name, uh, and I used it and it was wrong, that's my fault. Yeah. But I was very happy to because most of the cameramen, the good cameramen, mm. know the game that they're doing. Yeah. Uh, and and um, I, I felt that it. I just felt, you know, I I'm I'm nosy. If I if I'm at a, if I'm at an OB uh, on one sport, if in the days of grandstand, 
I, w- I would quite happily listen to quite a lot of what was being said uh, away from my sport before they came to me, while still doing the commentary on whatever it was I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I mean, it was a different at Wimbledon this year because uh, Wimbledon are now producing rather differently. It was totally the BBC before yeah, before okay. this year. I mean, I would often listen to 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 Sue's uh, long introduction rather than the short introduction. Yeah, uh, just to see what what she said, what's mm. what, what's going on, what's the flavour uh, of the day. Yeah, nosy. Yeah, so nosy, yeah, no, nosy yeah. and greedy. There you are. <laughs> what what other adjectives would you use to describe yourself? With? <laughs> <laughs> We've got nosy and greedy. Which, which, yeah, we've got, well, you've got five other dwarves to select. Yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate that I've been paid for a hobby. I would like to have played sports better. Would you? Uh, when I do occasionally. I mean, one of my friends says that uh, that my service in tennis is, 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 when it works, the most professional of anybody that, they, that we play with. At a very low level, I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I would rather have a consistent, uh, uh, consistent yeah. serve that, that that worked. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, there's a, a summary in in one of these who's who or whatever. Hmm. And among interests, I've put all sports. Sadly, enthusiasm way ahead of talent. <laughs> yeah, and that enthusiasm is what's brought that enthusiasm to many people over the years. Um, you mentioned talking to the person in the armchair. Uh, I've always had a view that part of the commentator's job is the fact that that person in the armchair on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon might have a newspaper in front of them. They're catching up on what's going on. And your job at times during, what, during when it gets exciting is to make them lower that newspaper. And it'll be through the accuracy and through the voice that you find um, in order to make sure that they, they, they sort of pick their head up and, and take note of the, of the key bits. Do you think that sort of works as an analogy? I, I think that's a very, very, very good analogy. I mean, I put slightly more simply, I've felt that the moments that bring uh, the viewer and the armchair to the edge of the seat, you need to respond. I remember mm. a headline written about something I'd done a long, long time ago in the Daily Mail, uh, which the headline was, when Barry says, ooh, he says it for all of us. <laughs> uh, and there's an element of truth in that. You know, they probably don't... Uh, um, poor old Gareth Southgate's miss in the... In, I mean, I just said, oh, no. Yeah. That That's what occurred to me to say, and then I didn't say anything for quite a long time. Yeah. And I would guarantee that most viewers said exactly that, probably flavoured by a few words around the oh no mm. that, that I would be in trouble with if I'd used them on air. <laughs> uh, but that was just, you know, that was just my gut instinct, particularly having felt that there was something wrong about the run-up to take it. Yeah. It, 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 although it came as a surprise, it had to come as a surprise. Yeah. I mean, I know that... There's one commentator around who actually said that he didn't fancy it beforehand, which made him a, a, a clever what's it. Mm. Uh, but in the in the atmosphere of the time, probably didn't didn't endear himself to to other people. It's not what people uh, want to hear, is no, it necessarily? No, uh, and and but I think a lot of commentators can can pick 
football observers can pick the one that's going to miss. Yeah, uh, yeah, probably. Quite reasonably often. Yeah. Well, Barry, uh, I hope I can find you playing tennis at some point to find out if you're commentating on your own serve. Um, that would be an absolute treat. Um, oh, no, no consistency again. Yeah. Um, Keep the arm straight, do throw it up high, get, get the toss high. Yeah. Um, it's been a treat to spend time with you. Thank you yeah. so much for your time yeah. and enjoy retirement. Yeah. Thank you. The fabulous Barry Davis there. What an absolute treat. And, uh, well, the chance to share a little chuckle with him towards the end. I was uh, beaming for several days after that moment. Absolutely brilliant opportunity to chat with the great man. And I hope you found that entertaining and interesting. And there'll be another one along next week, all to be revealed. But uh, in the meantime, do make sure you subscribe. My thanks to the guys at Acast. You can subscribe via iTunes and Spotify as well. And uh, keep in touch with us on Twitter let me know your thoughts at Q Commentator um, I'm very very grateful for your listen and, uh, and hope to be back next time this has been a Rugby Media Produced production I'm Nick Heath and I'll see you again soon Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.